Welcome to the Passive Income MD Podcast, where we talk about creating your ideal life through multiple streams of income. I'm your host, Peter Kim. If you enjoy hearing about this stuff, make sure to hit subscribe so I can bring it to you every week. Now let's get on with the show. Hey everyone, uh, this is going to be a fun interview. I'm so excited to talk to Artem Milinchuk. He's a CEO and founder of a company called Farm Together. I've had my eye on this company for a while, and uh, I'm just glad we could make this interview happen. I'm going to read his bio here real quick. He has over 10 years of finance experience in food, agriculture, and farmland. And prior to founding Farm Together, he was an employee, well, he was employee number one, actually, and CFO VP of operations at a company called Full Harvest Technologies. It's a big B2B platform for buying and selling produce. Uh, it's out there and now has a post-series A. And he previously worked at um, the Ontario Teachers Pension Plants, Sprott Resource Holding, and just so many other places. He has a, a wealth of experience in this industry. He holds an MBA from Wharton and a BA and MA uh, in economics from the Higher School of Economics. Artem, so happy to have you here. Good seeing you. Thank you, Peter. Great to be on your show. Yeah, I mean, your your bio, I could have gone on forever, I think, but I'd love oh, to hear just more about brother. you and um, you know, ultimately how you ultimately got to farm together. We're going to get into that story a little bit, but tell us a little bit more about yourself if I'm missing anything in, my, in the bio. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, Born and raised in Russia, and then I moved to Canada in 2007, where in Toronto I worked for close to 10 years in a variety of roles, but always the uh, kind of touching natural resources, food, agriculture, and farmland. And one thing about you know Canadian investors, they're actually quite innovative. And so farmland is still new to a lot of people, but even back in 2013, I was already looking in farms in Canada and Uruguay, out of all places. <laughs> and so the, you know, really the idea of farm together is about a very sort of um, common story, which is solving a problem for oneself, where it was solving a problem for me personally, where I actually couldn't invest in farmland despite investing professionally. And then seeing that farmland is such a great investment for a lot of other, you know, more institutional players as well, but seeing that it wasn't really available to them for different reasons than it is for retail investors. And I know, you know, today we'll focus on retail investors, but really, you know, that's the that's the background and i moved to san francisco in 2016 to work for full harvest which is a series b company now so they're growing very quickly in the noble mission that they have and from there i uh, just got really inspired by also the mission of farmland and what it can do for and we'll talk about this i'm sure but things like climate change sustainability healthy food uh equality so um it's just such a you know, when people have to eat and, and drink water, which farms oftentimes combine the two. Um, and so it's just such a cool space to be in where everyone can relate to it. It's so vital. You're not, uh, you know, nothing, not to throw any shade, but you know, you're not doing NFTs or whatever the latest craze is. It's uh, <laughs> something that's going to be around for a long time. Um, and so I like building my personal and professional portfolio in my career on something that is long-term, that is stable, that's gonna be there for many, many years to come. Okay, let's talk, let's dissect that a little bit. I think it's a cool story, obviously, of you immigrating over to Canada, doing all this, but how did you first get introduced to the idea of farmland? And you talked about, I guess, why you're passionate about it, but like, how did you realize it was a good investment to make? Um, let's see, so, even my my first roles, my first jobs were around food. And mm. 
you know, as a junior finance person, you kind of get thrown on, on some file, some sector, and then they pigeonhole you and they keep pushing you there. But for me, it was really, I loved it. It's such a, again, an industry that um, is very realistic. And I like that, that it's something that is uh, undisputable, like we all need to eat. <laughs> um, but the, you know, really idea of farmland as an investment, I think hit me in 2013 when I was at Sprott. And we had investments in Canadian farmland. And it just kind of blew my mind as I keep learning about it, that there's this huge asset class literally under our feet, and yet so few people were investing in it. So that's really when I think the first seeds were planted. Yeah. Uh, and then they grew from there. I mean, why do you think it is that so few people like know about it? I mean, it's funny because I actually heard it, have heard about it, but I've heard about it like in the context of like, billionaires right some of these billionaires yeah, yeah. like gates, <laughs> gates and all these guys farmland, are now yeah. getting into farmland and it's funny because that's the first time i ever thought about that and heard about it but it sounds like something that you know you have tried to figure out how to get you know like the normal retail investor to get into so but why do you why do you think that is like you know like people haven't heard about it well i think there's a few answers to this but i'll just say that no one knows exactly and it, it blows my mind to this day so as they say, everything new is just a well-forgotten old and nothing is new under the sun. And so land for most of our history and for our civilization has been how you measured your wealth. You know, you had your livestock, your lands, your gold. <laughs> you go all the way to your know, Old Testament and they'll talk about farmland. And most of us were farmers for most of our history. U.S. was founded by farmers or expanded by farmers, you know, coming, uh, getting land through the Homestead Act and kind of moving more and more west. Um, and then suddenly like everyone forgot about it. Right. And you talk to someone, you say, I'm a farmer or I'm in farming space and they'll look at you and they'll be less surprised if you tell me, oh, you're an astronaut. It's just <laughs> such a thing that no one has really somehow this experience with. And it goes into so many issues about, you know, rural and urban divide, urbanization, aging of farmer. But if I were to, you know, pick a few themes to give you kind of more academic answer. One is I think emergence of alternatives is a recent phenomena. Mm. Up to 10, 20 years ago it was stocks and bonds. There was no real estate, no crypto, no nothing, right? It was you know, good old stocks, bonds. If you bought individual stocks, you already were, you know, a little bit edgy. <laughs> and if you bought real estate, you were like on the cutting edge of investing. And then companies like Lending Club came along, real estate companies, crowdfunding. So it all changed. So there's just a lot of interest in that. And I think because of when you think about natural pools of innovation, well, you need someone that has experience with multiple verticals. And so real estate, you know, everyone kind of gets it a little bit. Um, and that's why there's a lot of real estate investment platforms. Farming, not as much. And so for me, being from finance, being from tech as well, and then having spent a lot of time on ag, uh, I just have this natural kind of Venn diagram that most people don't have to be able to put a lot of pieces together that we'll talk about. You know, tech is critical to how Farm Together goes about its business. And so I just think there's not enough people that have that intersection of different levels of experience to be able to, you know, go and do something like what we're doing. Mm. And now, and now you talk about like, again, it's kind of like the forgotten sector. We all fly over it at some point, farmland, That's we right. think yeah, about yeah. it, right? We see the circle, you know. Yeah, we see the circles like, out there and I'm always like, what's what going on the out circle? there? Yeah. yeah, and it doesn't seem like it's involved in the whole tech world. And so it's something that, you know, at least myself that I've never really even thought about, but like, what's the market look like for farmland and all of this investing, just to put it into perspective? Yeah, so 
some fun facts. Uh, it's a $3 trillion market in United States, which makes it the third largest real estate market after single family housing, which is a behemoth at tens of trillions of dollars, and then multifamily housing at about $2.9, $3.1 trillion. So it is actually one of the biggest real estate sectors. It is huge. There's about 2 million farms out there uh, split between uh, pasture land, uh, permanent crops, so it's your trees, your bushes, and the row crops, so your corn, uh, soybeans, things like that. Um, about a hundred, um, sorry, about uh, hundred billion dollars worth of farmland is expected to change hands every year, and that's because the aging of farmer, average age is sixty. Kids don't want to farm. So before, you know, another answer to your question of like why haven't we heard about farmland? Before, farmland would pass on from you know parents to children. Mm -hmm. Now kids don't want to farm. And so a lot of land is becoming available for the first time. And even kids that inherited they go like, well, now suddenly I have this $3 million farm and all my portfolio is like $100,000 of stocks and then this huge one farm, I should diversify. I should you know, sell it and um, build a sort of a traditional portfolio. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a vibrant market. Um, I think increasingly so one theme that's really important to highlight and that we at Farm Together care deeply about is farming and farmland is very ESG centric. ESG is practically baked into the asset class. And so right now for institutional investors, for everyone with, with ESG mandates and retail investors. Can you explain that a little bit, ESG mandates, what that means? Oh yes, absolutely. Um, so ESG stands for environmental, uh, social and government governance. Uh, and it's basically uh, a sort of catch-all phrase for saying that you want to do well while you do good. Mm -hmm. and um, or do good while you do well. Uh, and so basically it means that now investors care not just about the returns, but also what the underlying investments do with their money. Mm -hmm. And part of it is making sure that your investment uh, does well for the environment. Yeah, no, I think that's important to a lot of investors today. There's some, uh, they, you know, there's like a moral social component to not just the way people invest, but the way that people shop and buy and everything like that. So I understand why farmland is at the the intersection of that. Um, you know, I, I I do follow a lot of like real estate cycles. Like you said, it's like the third largest real estate market. I watch single family, I watch multifamily. And, you know, people tend to think that right now that we're kind of near an end of the cycle. People are worried that you know, that it's over, it's over inflated, that we're in a bubble, that we're overheated. But I know that every sector tends to go through its own different cycles and they may not, I don't know, overlap. Like, where do you think farmland is like right now in that whole investment cycle? You know, it's a great question. And I will answer that question. Yeah. I'm not going to avoid it. Uh, but just for your listeners, keep in mind, uh, you know, as they say, making predictions is hard, especially about mm -hmm. the future. So, yeah, uh, um, you know, take it for what it is. So, when we look at the cycle in farmland, um, we actually had a strong run up in farmland prices after the financial crisis. So, 2008 to kind of 2012, 13 had a big run up in prices, and then from 2013, 14 to 2020. We had sort of this, you know, very healthy kind of flattish, not flattish, but very healthy market where you had kind of six, seven percent uh, returns on farmland. Uh, and so overall, historically, farmland has appreciated by about 5.9 percent a year since um, for the last 50 plus years. So it's a long term stable kind of 
uh, steady as she goes asset class. Um, this year, we've seen double-digit land price increases across most of farmland, driven by two components, low interest rates and just uh, a lot of money being printed. And then just the cycle where because of higher corn prices, because of just high longer term expectations for a lot of commodity prices, farmland prices follow suit. Um, so if I, um, well, how we think about it right now is that we are on the upswing of the cycle. And while real estate, you look, some houses have run up a lot. Um, and as interest rates rise, uh, you know, asset prices tend to, to come down. Now, the thing about farmland that is unique though, is that it is, historically has been one of the most resilient asset classes in periods of high inflation, even better than gold. And so you have now two factors. So you have rising interest rates, but because of inflation. And so demand for farmland, especially from our investors, as an inflation hedge, I think is going to drive, um, if not strong price increase, then at least a resilient performance versus other asset classes. That's so cool, because I, I mean, Many people listen to my podcast, know what I do. Like I, uh, I'm like the ultimate. Uh, I look for. I'm like the ultimate hedge. Like I look for ultimate diversification. I look for as many asset classes or investments that are aren't really correlated with each other, um, and that's been my goal. And so it's been really fascinating to learn more about farmland. Like if someone like me just wanted to get into investing, like in farmland, like what are my different options? Yeah, and uh, you absolutely right to look at farmland if you want ultimate diversification because farmland has very low correlation to mm -hmm. almost every asset class. Highest correlation is to real estate about 0.4 and even that has been breaking down in the last two years, especially when the pandemic hit and suddenly your New York apartment that seemed to be like safe as, as T-bills became yeah. uh, uh, anything but. But to answer your question, um, before Farm Together came along, there were very few options to invest in farmland. So as a retail investor, you only had two public REITs. That's it. Mm. Uh, so two public stocks. One was more focused on is on raw crops, so corn, soybean, and another one on permanent crops, so tree nuts, apples. Um, and then there were rent-only model, meaning typically it's lower risk, lower return. Um, you had um, kind of more tying to the public market as well, because it's publicly traded stocks. You had no say on types of properties there or on the leverage. Um, and look, those products still have their place, absolutely. Uh, but what Farm Together does, and um, you know, I think we'll get in that in a little bit, is you have much more choice. Um, and at the same time, you can build a diversified portfolio as well, because we don't expect everyone, of course, to have in-depth understanding of every single crop and, and region. Uh, but yeah, look, the, besides the, those two public stocks, unless you were very rich and you could invest in private farming yeah. funds, you really didn't have a lot of options. And look, I know physicians are, uh, you know, well off, but I don't know if they're that well off. Yeah. Plus they don't have the time to figure out how to yeah. like operate these type of things. And I think that's the, that's the problem with a lot of these investments. Um, you know, people can get into some of these investments, but again, do they have the time and the energy and the effort and the expertise? to be able to actually operate and manage that well, which no, is, I think, no. why so many people uh, who are listening to this in our audience, they're looking for more of that, that passive right income because they, you know, they're good at their day jobs. And that's probably, in some ways, the best way that they can create capital quickly, <laughs> right? Use their current uh, experience and knowledge to build capital there. But then they want to find other places to put it that 
you know, will grow over time, hopefully produce steady cash flow. And so when it comes to farmland, I'm just curious, like, what do the returns kind of look like? And what have you seen over time? Because I know you've been doing this now for, for years. Um, what, what are invest your, like your investors or investors just in general seeing in terms of returns from like cash flow? What does that look like versus like appreciation, meaning just like selling and making a good lump sum at the end? What is, what does a typical, you know, look like? Yeah, absolutely. So within farmland, we typically have two types of offerings. So it's raw crops, which are your corn, soybean, field. They are like not a one-to-one -one comparison, but sort of like the investment grade bond uh, in the in the bond world. They're stable, they're long-term, they cash yields typically net of all fees are around two to three percent. And we expect four to six percent, sometimes higher price appreciation. And this is a 10-year type flow. Um, and those those farms are in, in really good demand. They're something that I think for our investors uh, are first of all a way to preserve uh capital and have a healthy yield, but they're not this is not high-flying tech stocks. This is not crypto for them. Yeah. This is the part of your portfolio that you say, look, this is something that is unlikely to lose me money. This is something that will do well in periods of inflation and recession, which is exactly what mm -hmm. we're seeing right now. Um, and uh, it gives me stability. And um, so that's that's kind of one side. And then going a little bit to the right on the risk reward spectrum, we have permanent crops and those will be your tree nuts, your apples. Those will have cash yields. Sometimes they can go as high in later years as 10, 15% or higher. Um, and then the total returns are around 10%. Yeah. So you'll have, you know, three to 5% cash yield over the life of the property and then 5% or so price appreciation. Um, and those can be, sometimes we have deals that are as high as 15%. Um, they're uncorrelated to most of the market. Uh, and the investors that are looking for, you know, a bit more risk and a bit more of a punch but they still want that exposure to farmland. They still want to invest in uh, crops that have structural tailwinds, for example, almonds, walnuts, pistachios, not so very healthy, new varieties of apples, organic apples is like the healthy, healthy stuff. Yeah. Right. Okay. So like I said, this is all fun to hear. Cause again, this is so outside of my world, but this is really fascinating to learn. Like when somebody makes an investment into like one of these investments, like how long is the hold period? And like, what is there, you know, when we talk about real estate, we talk about liquidity all the time. Like how, you know, when is there, how long is there money in the deal? Is there any options to liquidate that? And what does that typically look like for these type of investments? Absolutely. So the whole period typically is 10 years. Farmland is, mm. it's not a short-term flip at stock. You need to hold it long-term. That's when it does best. And so we encourage our investors of which we have now over 1300 to be long-term holders. And most people are okay with it. Um, we are working on secondary liquidity options that will allow you to sell your stake before that 10-year hold period, but uh, nothing to announce there yet. Mm -hmm. However, do stay tuned. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I'm just wondering, how, how does Farm Together, how do you guys actually choose uh, which farms to invest in? And how do you set up these opportunities? Like, what are you using on your side? You know, what kind of data are you seeing? What kind of technology? You know, we talked about that. You said you're using technology. Like, what are you using to figure all of that out to bring uh, good investments to people like you and me? Well, to really people like me. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a great question. And uh, I think we could spend an hour just talking about it. So I'll try to keep <laughs> yeah. it concise. Um, 
you know where farm together is very different from crowdfunding platforms is that um, a lot of our um, view on the asset class overall is that one of the major reasons it hasn't been opened up is because of a highly fragmented market that makes it hard for capital to be deployed in this market at scale. And so we're building tech to um, analyze and underwrite a $5 million farm with the same dedication that you would do for a $100 million farm with the same level of analysis. And you need to do that because actually most farms in the US are farms under $10 million in value. So there's not that many large farms. And so what you see with the large farmland funds, of which there are a few, is that they go after large deals. They don't have the tech to really uh, be able to do 50 farms. And that's what you need to do to bring farmland to everyone, which is our kind of our mission is to open up this asset, asset class to everyone. Um, so the tech is, it starts from either finding farms for sale or farmers looking for capital um, or uh, being able to quickly react to farms that uh, are already on the market. So this uh, has anything from satellite imagery to soil maps, to uh, county data sets, to um, you know, area imagery, to on-site farm data, to macroeconomic data. So it's hundreds of data sets that through our tech called Terra, we collect into one central place where then our engine allows us to really quickly filter and do the initial underwriting of the farm. So one important thing, we underwrite, we analyze every farm ourselves. If you look at a lot of other crowdfunding platforms, they will have what's called a sponsor. So you, know, you and I can say, hey, we're flipping houses now. We're going to build this house. We're going to take it to platform X. And platform X will say, well, we looked at these guys. They seem OK. Here's the deal you invest as analyzed. With us, we give a lot of information on the deal uh, on, for investors to analyze. But I hope they also will trust our team's track record where we have over 100 years of investing and managing farmland. Um, so I guess, in short, to answer your question, we do use a lot of tech, everything from machine learning to natural language processing to imagery to automating of data sets and document generation. But then uh, that information is provided to investors. You can read about it in depth or just look at the key points. We make it very easy on the website to understand what those risks are. Um, and make a decision. So a lot of our investors, they tend to diversify across you know, multiple farms and they trust our underwriting that you know, if we present an almond farm or an apple farm, that we look through a lot of farms, which we did, and we did our due diligence and analysis. Yeah, I mean, I think it's important to obviously trust the platform and you know, rely on the expertise of the people on the platform, but at the same time, I'm still, when I walk into this thing and I look at the platform, you know, it all <laughs> looks, a lot of these deals, they all look good. If you just look at the numbers. So like, I know you said diversify is one way that people kind of mitigate some risk by diversifying across different investments, but you know, uh, we probably spent a whole episode on this as well, but what's like one, maybe, or two key things to look for to say, Hey, this is probably, you know, this would fit well with me and my goals mm -hmm. and objectives. I will tell you when we look at multifamily or real estate, again, like you mentioned, there are sponsors there. I just look at the track record of the sponsor and I'm able to get access to that. Mm -hmm. Like, what are we able to get? Like when, you know, we look at your platform, we look at those deals that can honestly help me figure out, you know, is this right for me? Yeah, absolutely. So when you go and look 
on our website. First, there is a learning center that can just tell you a bit more about what to look for. But let's say you don't want to do that. You're like, all right, I trust this guy that just want to know a little <laughs> bit more. Let me take a look at what farm is offered right now. So when you go on the farm page, um, we have a section that talks about key uh, key factors of the deal and why it's attractive. And then we have a, a risk reward scorecard where typically it's eight different factors, things like uh, water, is there debt on the property, uh, prices, um, how well do we know the operator, which is kind of, you know, an, a sort of analogous somewhat to how well you know the sponsor that allows you to quickly see where that farm falls, how risky it is, um, and make a decision. So some people, they might say, look, I actually want very little risk for farmland. I want something very um, de-risked. And they will mostly invest only in raw crops, which have no debt, which again is safe and stable deals. And you can see that on that farm page. Uh, so I would say, look, if, if you're only looking at a few key factors, then besides, again, trusting us and our team, looking at that uh, risk chart is, is a good way to quickly get up to speed. Got it. Um, what do you think the big risks are, I guess, to the industry in general? Like when you're looking at it, like, are there any things like, like if I, you know, economic factors, political factors, uh, these kind of things that maybe, you know, call, you know, might give you some concern just so that we know what the, mm -hmm. the risks are on the other side. Yeah, uh, absolutely. So look, if you think about farming, uh, it's interesting because in some way there's, per there's perceived to be a lot of risk. Um, but when I think about risk, I think about it from two perspectives. One is my academic finance perspective, which risk is defined as volatility of the underlying asset. You know, you take standard deviation of the prices and the higher the deviation, the higher the risk. That's sort of the more academic definition. And on that, farmland has standard deviation of about 6.9%, which to compare it is actually much lower than real estate and somewhat higher than bonds, but not by much. So it's fairly low risk asset. Uh, another way to think about risk is uh, more uh, called streetwise, which is, is this going to lose me money? <laughs> that's that's actually after many, many years in fact, since I came back to this. Uh, that's probably the most important thing for most people. Yeah, <laughs> it's going to lose me money. Um, and so farmland um, really has had in the last 30 years only two, three quarters when the index went slightly down. So there were a few cases when farmland even decreased in price because again, it's such a stable long-term asset. And that's because again, it comes back to the point that we all need to eat. There's a limited amount of land and it's decreasing and population is increasing. So there's those mm -hmm. long-term trends. But as you dive deeper into risks and we think specifically about US, about the crops that we do, of course, we look at things like trade wars. For example, you know, we always underwrote a fairly conservative case of the trade war of US and China where we don't assume any resolution as we thought about you know, that, um, uh, the prices for land. Very important to look at the purchase price of land versus comparables. And that's something that we aim to always show. Sometimes there's actually few comparables, uh, but are you buying at a good price, right? Uh, if it's in places like California, how safe is the water situation? Because one of the few ways land can lose value if it loses access to water, or if you don't have farms to farm, which is why we invest in areas that are prime farming areas. So it's not, I mean, all farms are in the middle of nowhere to you city boys, but <laughs> it needs to be in the middle of somewhere for farming where there's a lot of other farms. Um, 
so it's not kind of this weird stranded asset that is five hours away and no one can get to it. Um, we look at crop prices. We're looking at almonds, pistachios, walnuts. Uh, what price are we underwriting? Is it in line with 10-year historical average? What is the long-term demand and supply look like? Things like that. We look at the cost structure as well. How much does it cost to farm this area specifically? Um, so there's a lot of different analysis that, that goes into it. Um, currency uh, risk, uh, right? Because US is a net exporter of ag products, um, things like that, yeah. Yeah, no, that's a good list. Thanks for sharing that. Because I think for a lot of people that, again, this is all new to them. So this is helpful for me. I mean, one thing that I love about, you know, when I did read, you know, I've looked at your website quite a bit, looked at what you guys do. Again, the mission comes across really strong. And I think that's really compelling for a lot of people. Um, and I know you talk a lot about sustainability and you talk about these kind of things. Um, like maybe you can give us a little bit more information on like the farmland's role in the whole climate crisis, you know, because obviously that's something we're going through. How does that play? How does that play into it? Yeah. Um, so ag is responsible for about a quarter of GHG emissions. Now, a lot of it is from livestock, um, but um, you have several aspects of how farmland plays into the climate crisis. So there is the negative ones, which is you know, using fertilizer, kind of how you farm, you know, you use diesel, you use fuel, you uh, you have a carbon um, carbon emissions. But what's unique about farmland versus probably anything else, honestly, is that farmland and farming done in the right way can actually be a carbon negative, and it's called regenerative agriculture. Farmland can capture carbon, earn carbon credits, um, and keep it in the soil. So there's still science to, to be done and practices to be standardized on how it can be done. Uh, but we are very bullish on that. So Farm Together is enrolled in the leading harvest standard, which is a new industry-wide standard for objective measuring of sustainable farming. And it's related both to things like, are you using less water? Are you more mindful in how you use fertilizer? To things like, are you treating your work as well? Um, to um, you know, what role do you play with uh, uh, things like preserving the local ecosystem, you know, leaving a few trees for migratory birds, all these different things. Um, and so the way we think about farming long-term is that we want to finance and bring in those cutting edge farms, the organic farms, the new variety farms, the regenerative farms, sustainability farms. And investors can rest assured that every farm on our platform falls under that sustainability standard leading harvest. So when you invest with us, automatically, you are investing in the, the future of sustainable farming. I think that's awesome. I mean, I know that you, because of your mission, everything you're doing, you you've guys have experienced a good amount of, I mean, a tremendous amount of growth over the last couple of years. Like, what do you think is going to happen for your company? Like, where are you guys going from here uh, in the next three, five, 10 years? We want to be the, the best and the largest uh, farmland investment or asset manager in the world. We want to bring this asset class to all investors. And then on the other side of this equation is we want to bring scalable, creative, transformative capital to farms so that they can build those farms of the future. Because farmers are lacking capital right now to transition our ag system to 21st century or 22nd even. Yeah. Um, and so in the next three years, we'd like to offer investment products accessible to everyone. So 
accredited investors, non-accredited investors, international investors, as well as larger pension funds, endowments, institutions. Uh, we want to have a secondary liquidity market, so you don't have to hold for 10 years, although again, we encourage you to think about farmland as a long-term investment. Uh, we want to bring on way more regenerative deals to the platform. And then 10 years, we want to be the largest. Uh, we want to have global offerings, not just US, but places around the world. And to really drive uh, meaningful change as it relates to sustainable farming to climate change, where um, what's really interesting to me and that still again blows my mind a little bit to this day, if you do farming in a sustainable, regenerative way, it actually long-term increases the value of the land because you end up using less, fewer inputs and the value of your land increases substantially. And then you get paid for things like carbon credits. And there's large companies right now, like PepsiCo, General Mills and others that are looking to source from regenerative farms. So just like you have that, you know, USDA organic label, you'll have regenerative label on food. So food will be, um, it'll be now important where it came from. So we want to be part of that solution where you know, one day you look at your almond, almonds can be like sustainably farmed you know, from a farm to the farm, something like that. So that's the, that's the golden vision. And then the 30 year vision, which Jenny didn't ask me about, but we uh, really see this engine we're building and the platform as something that can help with broader, what's called natural asset financing. So it's not just farming, but forestry, aquaculture, preserving the, the wetlands. So thinking about the planet as uh, place where we have natural assets. I mean, it's such a funny way to think about it, but putting a price on nature uh, sounds maybe cynical, but if you don't put a price on it, then uh, you're just going to use it as if it's uh, endlessly renewable. Uh, and so, yeah, I think I know that I am, and I know that our team is just excited by the long-term vision and mission as much as we are by bringing a good investment to investors. That's awesome. I know that people are going to hear this. Some people are going to really connect with some things you've said. They're going to be interested in finding out more about this asset class. Where's the best place for people to, to reach out and find out more about uh, Farm Together? Farmtogether.com. Okay. Uh, email info at farmtogether.com. We aim to reply to everyone within 24 hours. We at least tell them that we got the email. Uh, you can also schedule calls with our team. Uh, you can, uh, you know, if you want to speak with me as well, uh, they'll, they'll let you know how to get in touch with me. Uh, so I'm happy to do that for, for your listeners. Um, and then there's also a lot of materials we put out on the website, going on shows like yours to get the gospel of farmland out there. Um, and yeah, look, I think it's, it's exciting that you're interested in it, Peter, that your listeners hopefully will be interested in this because it is a, a sort of the the oldest asset class and the most forgotten and at the same time, most exciting asset class right now. Yeah. I mean, it's been extremely informative for me. I know I've been wanting to get you on this show because I want to find out more about it personally, selfishly, I think, but I thought it might great, be a great opportunity for other people that, you know, for looking for potentially, um, you know, steady cash flow, a hedge against inflation, you know, looking to diversify um, their investments. Uh, which I'm looking to do. And so uh, I'm just glad you can come here today and share with us. I really appreciate it. Thank you for your time. Again, congrats on the amazing success so far at Farm Together. And uh, yeah, I mean, wish you the best of luck on your mission. So hopefully let's talk Thank again soon. Thank you so much, Peter. Thank you. Enjoy the show. Let me know by dropping a review in the podcast app you're listening to us in. And if you haven't already, make sure to hit subscribe. Are you part of our community yet? 
join thousands of physicians who are also on this journey to creating their ideal lives through multiple streams of income. You can join us on our Facebook group, Passive Income Docs, and you can always learn more at our website, PassiveIncomeMD.com. Thanks again for allowing me to be a part of your journey. See you next time.